Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Colleen Fitzpatrick, Broadway understudy. Once upon a time. Colleen Fitzpatrick was a replacement understudy to the roles of Florinda, Lucinda, and the baker's wife in the original Broadway production of Into the Woods. She understudied all the female roles in the original Broadway cast of Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine's Passion, eventually taking over as the mistress. And her many other Sondheim credits include Anyone Can Whistle at Carnegie Hall, the Roundabout Theatre Company revivals of Company and Sunday in the Park with George, the Public Theatre's New York premiere of Roadshow, the Kennedy Center and Broadway revival of Follies, and the City Center Encore's production of Merrily We Roll Along. Her other Broadway credits include Cats, Jerome Robbins Broadway, Lestat, 110 in the Shade, Bye Bye Birdie, and Kimberly Akimbo, in which she stands by for Victoria Clark in the title role. I've been wanting to meet you for so many years. I think I told you that um, I grew up in L.A. and some of my friends that were performers had studied with Arthur Joseph and he used to talk to me uh and them about you and and uh, and it was right when you were in passion so we were all like oh my god oh my god she's so wow that takes me back let me tell you yeah but I'm so old now anything takes me really far back (laughs) (laughs) I feel you but I didn't realize at the time that passion was not I mean you've done so many Sondheim shows now at this point but it was not the first Sondheim show that you did oh Um, no Uh uh-uh yeah and yep. I was very excited to uh, realize that Into the Woods. Well, Into the Woods was the first one you did on Broadway. I don't know. Maybe you did other. I guess I would love to know your whole kind of journey with Sondheim. Were you like a Sondheim nerd growing up? Like, how did it get started? Not, not at all. You know, I, I'm i from Lancaster, Ohio. Grew up extremely poor. And I learned how to sing. My mother loved music. And so we always had music during our dinners. And I learned how to sing by singing along with Julie Andrews on all of her records of the musicals that she did. Mm. And, you know, Marnie Nixon and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> all that. That's how I started to sing. And um, I, you know, <laughs> I've had such my whole life as Mr. Toad's wild ride. <laughs> I, I kind of became professional at the age of 16, because I didn't have a college scholarship, 
my mom entered me in the Miss Teenage America pageant. And I had just finished playing Eliza Doolittle in the high school play. Um, and I, I won the whole thing. And that's kind of got me on the path to school at SC. And then, you know, one thing led to another. I was in a rock and roll band for many years, pretty famous out West. Um, and then I eventually made it back to Broadway when I was 28 and stood in line to, um, I wanted to be on Broadway. I always did want to be on Broadway, but my path took me other ways first. And I stood in line at the Majestic Theater to understudy Betty Buckley and Cats. That's how I started. Wow. And because it was three months, I think, when they had opened and Janet Hubert was leaving, who was her original understudy, and I got it. So I did that, and then I left that, and then- did, Were you in the company otherwise, playing another cat when you weren't on for Grizabella? Oh, babe, I'm not a dancer. Although I've done <laughs> dance shows, I don't know why. I think because I make them laugh. But no, we were. I was one of the four lead understudies that sat up there above the Coke sign overlooking the orchestra and we sang every single group number because the dancers were out there killing themselves wow. on that great stage yeah and so i left and then my first show that i auditioned for for steve and paul gemignani and they are really responsible for most of my career was mm. the original company of sunday in the park with george and i had been asked to come in as celeste number one and even though i had grown up singing soprano i just been belting for two years and I came in and they they took me all around the world Steve you know never came to any auditions except the final callbacks Steve wasn't there Paul was like going having me go up a minor third and then down a fourth and then this you know like he always did and I didn't get it and I was devastated because Celeste number one is a high soprano I left and my really great voice teacher, Dee Markwood, who in New York for many years was an opera singer. And she and I was devastated because I wanted to work with Steve so bad. Mm. And she said, I know how we're going to get you the first show. We're going to teach you how to sing Mozart. And that's exactly mm. what she did. Wow. We studied Mozart arias because the tessitura, it, Steve does the same thing. You know, his recitative lines are even in Into the Woods, which was my first show is way up there just repeated little notes you know all that mm. so i i got to audition for for <laughs> into the woods and i made it all the way to the final callback and all i had to sing for my final callback was into the woods into the woods into the woods and out of the woods and <laughs> before dark that's all i sang and i got the job because that's very mozartian yeah God, no one has pointed that out to me before. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and my teacher really, and still to this day, and you know, I do think I'm the only person that's done like, I don't know, over 10 things with Steve. You know, I'm I'm people know who I am, I guess, in the business, but I'm no star. But I have worked with Steve probably more than anybody else have. Uh, has um let's go through Jeff them Patton. i mean i i want to do a deep dive on into the woods but so you <laughs> did you did into the woods on broadway passion on broadway uh then the road let me go back i also Please. went out on the road toward the end of the i think the last six months um and played the stepsister and then covered the baker's wife on the original 
road tour. Oh, how cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then I did uh, Passion. See, I even forget them all. I did Passion. <laughs> I did Follies. I did Roadshow. The Follies you did was the revival at the Marquee, right? Uh, yes, but we Kennedy started Center. at the Kennedy Center, right. Marquee. Then Bernadette didn't go with us to L.A., and that's when Vicki Clark stepped in Right at the end of that. Vicki Clark, and, who, you're, who you're heroically standing by for now on Broadway yes. and Kimberly Akimbo. Yeah. Yes, and I've had the great fortune to go on. I think I'm up to like 28 or 29. Wow. Now. Oh, that's so great. Oh, I'm so thrilled. I, well, I'm I told so thrilled. you, my, my friends from San Francisco said that you were absolutely fabulous. They were so well, happy that, they got to see you. Thank you for passing that on to me. Because uh, those kind of comments from our fans, you know, just the fact that they love the show and that I've been able to touch them in some way is so important to me. I love the show more than life. But oh, yeah. I, I can't even remember all I've done with Steve. And I've done multiple concerts for him. Oh, well, you them. also did the revival of Sunday in the Park, right? I sure did. Yeah. From the Chocolate Factory. Yep. Oh, with, with, with Evans Sam Bunchrock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brilliant production. Such oh my God. Incredible was production. that beautiful? Oh my God. And I, I mean, I, I love that first production, the original production of Broadway. Of course. But yeah. the fact the projections just mm. changed the story in such a way because it absolutely made it, you, you saw the creation of it. I mean, totally. I just, I loved it. That first black brush stroke mm. in the first song. I think when we first saw it in in uh, text, we all sat there and gasped. I bet. Yeah, it was incredible. It was truly incredible. Remarkable. So, yeah. okay, going back, you bring your Mozartian training to uh, <laughs> yeah. singing yeah. the, uh, you know, everyone talks about it like it's like a Disney song, that opening number of Into the Woods, but it's okay. like Mozart. I love that. And so yeah, you got to stop. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, and, and I'm going to, pardon me, stop me if I start talking around in circles, but a lot of Steve's recitative, it, like I said, is very Mozartian in the sense that it really does hang on a tessitura, whether it's a man or a woman, a lot of the times. And I am, I'll admit it, I'm very, very Catholic in my taste about how people sing Sondheim because I've done so much work with he and Gemignani, who is a stickler because Paul started as a drummer first. And so he's extremely rhythmic and both he and Steven did not like people to sing the material being overly sentimental. There's always sentiment when a song is well done, but they don't like sentimentality. And frankly, me, me neither. And, you know, get on and off the notes cleanly. Don't oversing it. Don't hold over the bars. Sing it exactly like, like it's written. And Richard Adler was the one that taught me that because I worked with Richard Adler so many times in my career as well, is he would constantly say, if you sing the punctuation to the punctuation and pay attention to exactly what's written note-wise, the composer and the lyricist that are really great give you the cues exactly what you need to know. Well, and that's also, the acting itself. A legitimate musical background where you have the, the skill to do that. I think probably a lot of people working in musical theater can barely even read, you know, every good boy <laughs> does fine. So I think that um, 
you know, uh, it's it's a huge uh, advantage that you bring to the table, you know, that you're able to to look at that and, and read it as if, the same way you read the script, you know. But let me but let me tell you this, Ben, and I really believe this for any of your young listeners out there. And I say this all the time. You have to do your research, whoever <laughs> you're doing or you're working with or not only the text, but the music, and you have to look back. That's where the gold is, not melismas and how you want to sing it yourself. Part of that's your responsibility. Part of that is the musical director's responsibility and the composers themselves. And it's interesting that you bring that up because Janine Tesori, who is the composer of our show, Kimberly, Kimberly Akimbo, she talks in the same we just had a rehearsal with her she talks in the same way that steve and paul germignani talks you can't just blast through a number <laughs> there are right angles to it you mm. have and she says the same thing sing it exactly like it's written yeah. get off the note stop the end of the bar dot 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 because you lose all meaning of the piece if you don't. And I'm a stickler for that, man. I'm totally Catholic about that. Now, when you talk about the tessitura, I understood that to mean the vocal range of the role. Is that, is that, what do you mean by he writes? Well, it's, it's like, it's in it, in it. And that's the way my teacher described it. You know, if I'm, if I'm singing learner and low, you know, it's very legato and it's very smooth and it's moving around in a very, easy manner the intervals are easy mm -hmm. but steve it's like it's you it's very tightly written you know it's not it's he he was a mathematical person music is math anyway mm -hmm. i'm probably talking out my butt but but <laughs> it was very mathematical the way and i'll just take into the woods is done yeah please. and it starts and by the way to take a left turn myself the first downbeat is bam, 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 bam. And it's a metronome and everybody better get on. Yeah. At that tempi or you've ruined the piece. It, it is a metronome from the beginning immediately in that whatever, however long that number is. And what the stepsister is saying is la da 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 into the woods, into the woods, you know, and it should be that clean. It's not legato. It's not, and you've got to be able to negotiate those tight kind of intervals. And weirdly enough, into the woods, into the woods, into the woods and out of the woods and home before dark is one of the hardest ones because your mouth wants to do too much and then you're behind. And it literally is. It is singing is, in my opinion, and what my teacher taught me, and she was an opera teacher, singing is talking on pitch. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, that's <laughs> a funny thing to hear coming from someone with a, like a legitimate like soprano voice that, you know, seems <laughs> pretty far from, from how most of us talk, you know. <laughs> but it is, you know, and you can... And believe me, you know, I've belted for people. With Steve, I only sang soprano. Mm. This piece is very contemporary, Kimberly. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm all over the place. Mm -hmm. But everything is connected through my passaggio and everything because of the way I was taught. And my teacher believed that there's only one voice, whether you're singing low, middle, or high. And it just moves straight up the scale. 
we're getting in the weeds now, Ben. Yeah, no, I'm fascinated. <laughs> okay, but so let's go back just so you 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 do this training and it works. You get the job. So yeah. was this after the show had already been open for a bit? Yes, it, yes. I, and you know, I never think linearly, but yeah. when Lauren Mitchell, who's who's been a dear friend of mine for, you know, since the show, when she left, they mm -hmm. actually put out calls to replace her. And I went in then, whenever Lauren left, I don't know, it might have been a year into it. I because mm -hmm. I was in the show for over a year. Yeah. And um I made it down to the final callback, as I said, and I'm, and by the way, as I'm, and I was so freaking nervous and I walked out, you know, and Steve was sitting in the dark and mm -hmm. I didn't know he was sitting there. Thank God in yeah. the dark. And he, he said, Hey, Hey, cause I sang my own piece first. He said, what note was that? Cause <laughs> I, I, I use the same belt song mix song for, for 28, 30 years. And I said, everything I want, I said, it was a mixed F. He goes, what? very, very What's impressive. That? It's from a failed show called I Had a Ball. Oh, and Karen Morrow, Morrow. Just made yeah. the song famous. Yeah. That, and Larry Moss. Around mm -hmm. a, 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 a mixed voice F, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where I live. You know, that's why I did, you know, because Betty's memory note is an yeah. E I mix in our show. I don't have to flip up into a soprano. And I'm you know, wailing on that Our Disease song like crazy. Well, when Song um, was very impressive, he was probably equally impressed by your voice and your knowledge of obscure musical theater. <laughs> Maybe. I got that show because Larry Moss, the great acting coach of Hilary Swank and many, many other people, he started as a musical theater um, coach with a class in New York City. And Larry was my coach for many years. And Larry's the one that gave me that song because he had studied, here's for your young kids in the audience, if there are any, Daniel Craig, which has the, one of the best books ever on auditioning. Mm, David Craig. David Craig, excuse me. Did I say Daniel? Craig, oh, yeah, not James Bond. David <laughs> Craig. And it is a genius book about how to act a song. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, okay, uh, so you that was your own piece and you impressed Sondheim and then what happened? And then I, that same audition, that same audition, I sang the end of the Wids thing and I went home and waited. And interestingly enough, I didn't get the show immediately. And I went, wait, what happened? And there was another girl and I'm not gonna name her who they, who James wanted instead of me because he was looking for somebody who could really cover the baker's wife, even though you were gonna cover, the girl was gonna cover both step uh, sisters. Mm -hmm. When I got home, we got a call from Joanna Merlin's office, mm -hmm. the great casting director ever. Yeah. And she called my agent and said, listen, we love Colleen, just sit tight, just mm -hmm. sit tight. It's not gonna happen right away. Mm -hmm. And what happened within two weeks, um, obviously they didn't like what this other girl was doing and they hired me as well. And the other girl barely, I think she went on once mm -hmm. and I did two weeks. I was supposed to replace Lauren when I went in mm -hmm. and Terry Burrell, who was the understudy really wanted to move up and they did move her up. I mm -hmm. think that was the right decision. Yeah. And but when I finished my two weeks, Ben, of rehearsal, the stage manager came to me and said, hey, 
you, tomorrow's your last day of rehearsal and you're going to be on for 14 days as Florinda. And I went, what? Wow. <laughs> it was crazy. We all, I'm, all the understudies. It was, was McClellan's role because you, you had gone in to replace Lauren Mitchell as Lucinda and now you're playing yeah. Florinda. Got you. Yes. And so when they hired me, I was contracted to, to play, you know, to understudy all three, the Baker's wife, Florinda and Lucinda. Because and, Terry moved up instead of them putting me in the role. Who else was in the show at this time when you went in? Like, what, was this when Nancy Dussault was the witch? Nancy Nancy was further. Nan, was Nancy my last witch? See, I get confused. The only person at that time that had really left was Bernadette. Hmm. And I, and um, was Joanna still there? I think she was there, but it could have been Cynthia was in there. Cynthia Sykes by then. Yeah. I don't know. But they all came back, um, the two that had left, because we then filmed, right. filmed it, and the, every single person of the original cast. But really, I think to the end of the show, most of us stayed. Most of the original cast stayed to the bitter end, because why would you leave a show like that? Yeah. Shows with content are rare and becoming rarer still. Yeah. Well, you've done a lot of them. Um, I have. It's my forte. You don't. You don't have a dumb resume, Colleen. <laughs> no, I don't. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I, it's kind of weird. I, that's why I'm so poor. You know, I've never really had a long-running show for 20 years or something where I I could have with cats, but it was killing me. I had to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I had to get. I I I I think you're you've had an enviable run. Um, oh, thank you so much. So, I've done uh, some pretty interesting things. You know, people are always asking me if I'm on Ozempic, and let me tell you, I do not mind them asking me that. But I'm not on Ozempic. They especially ask me that when they see me eating dessert, or desserts, or all the crap I eat when I'm out. But my secret is that when I'm home, when I'm by myself, I'm eating Factor. Factor sends me restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever I am. No prepping, no cooking, no cleanup except for, like, my fork. And now you can enjoy Factor Meals too. Go to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I'm so, okay, so you said you stayed through the end of the run. I sure did. Uh, so then is that when you joined the tour after after the yeah. closing? Yeah. yeah, there was a break. There was a little break. I can't remember what I did. <laughs> I'd have to, I should have had my whole resume here and I could have del- told you. But then I was, you know, I was married as well at the time. And so they just eventually called me and said, hey, do you want to do the last six months of the tour? The tour made a tremendous amount of money for them, the original tour. Wow. Uh, because they didn't make money on Broadway, you never do with a Sondheim show. That's not why you do them, you know? Uh, And um, 
And then the tour just made them a ton of money. People came out all over the country, Mm -hmm. all over the country. It was amazing. And weirdly, you know, back then, you know, as in all first run Sondheim shows, the first time they're done, people never get the second match. (laughs) In In these Sondheim Lapine shows. Mm-hmm. And the second act for me is my favorite act. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's was, just. Was incredible. that harder on the road playing the second act? Pardon me? Was it harder to um, feel that the audience was connecting with the second act on the road compared to on Broadway? No, no, no. Uh-uh. no. The, the, you know, with Steve's shows, people are listening so hard. You really can't tell. <laughs> because now we have all this experience with his work but the first time they come out and not to divert from into the woods oh my god and i'm gonna say that was one of the most thrilling casts i've ever had the opportunity to observe and to work with because i went on a lot yeah Uh, and it was my first show so they blew my mind but um you know it's it's always a privilege and a terror to do Steve's work the first time because, you know, they are extremely challenging for mm. the actor, but also the audience. And back then, Into the Woods was a real challenge, you know, for people. Now it's like, oh, God, let's do it. And every high school does it. So it's part of the canon mm-hmm. of musical theater, not even just of Steve's shows. Oh of musical theater so people go oh yeah i know that show yeah, yeah let's go see that but back then you know it's it, the concept of it, it it takes a radical turn in act two you know and for me it, when, if i wasn't on and all of us understudies went on a tremendous amount i don't know why that was yeah but we did all of us every single one of us we had a uh, like a you know parents use a marker for how tall their children get we had a, we had a wall that mm. we ticked off every time any of us were on and all the under every role was like double covered yeah in that show uh had to be you know were you the first cover for the baker's wife uh no Kay was Kay and was. then i was second yeah did you wind up going on in that role oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. And I love doing it. Yeah. I I mean, just doing any of Steve's work is such a privilege. It's an education about how you pull everything that you can into your work because it's, it's there for you and to mine it and everything. It was, and yet we had a lot of fun. I mean, you know, people were naughty on stage and into the woods. I specifically remember, remember, and the hydraulics of the, the hill slope, you know, would break occasionally. And I remember Kay, uh, I was with her, I was doing Lucinda and she was doing Florinda and we tripsied across the stage on one midnight cross. And at some point in the show, and there was a croissant that fell onto the floor from <laughs> under her ball gown you know i mean they're you know typical you know <laughs> and those costumes those female costumes for the mother and uh the girls yeah oh my they were like 
so heavy. That was back in the day when you had massive budgets to create gorgeous costumes. Ah. And we had like footballs, stuffings in each sleeve and mm. then on the panniers and in the butt. And it was just so, so heavy. We weren't allowed to sit down in those duchess satin gowns. Wow. Uh, we would make an exit, let's say stage left, and mm -hmm. our dressers would be standing there because you couldn't pass around this in the back of the stage. There, we had to go underneath the stage to cross from stage right to stage left. And our dressers would undress us down to the pantaloons, the corsets, and the shirts. And we would cross underneath the stage in our underclothing, costume underclothing. Mm -hmm. And then the gowns would be put on on the other side of the stage. How did the gown get there? The the well, be, our dressers would carry them down. Ah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really like being, uh, you know, a lady of the court in those days. Oh my God! Yeah, it was crazy, <laughs> but it was a relief on a certain level because at least if we weren't on, we yeah. could take them off and and not sit on a chair, but rest on a stool or something like that. Yeah, I mean, even just to go up and down the stairs, it must have been a huge difference. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, oh, my God, tremendous. They, I don't even know how much they weighed, but it had to be over 38 pounds. They were from, because it was Duchess satin, and then then the big crinoline underneath with whale bones and this uh, and that and the other. Now, let me ask you a technical question about the yeah. music for the stepsisters, especially as someone who was covering both roles. Like, they, it seems to my, you know, um, ignorant ear that they're singing in unison a lot, but is it actually in harmony? And is that tricky to, when you go on in one role, remember which part you're singing? It, it isn't because, you know, you just drill and drill and drill yeah. and drill. The hardest thing for me that I recall, <laughs> yeah. um, when the mother is is doing is twisting Florinda's hair and her head. And then Lucinda has to laugh, but it's a musical ass. But the, 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 the. Mm -hmm. there was nobody that could do it like Lauren Mitchell. <laughs> I mean, I would struggle to do that, but it was Lauren Mitchell, who is one of the smartest people I know and one of the kindest people I know. And she's now a big, big time producer for many, yeah. many years. Dodgers, yeah. She um, she just had a command of style, mm. of style and also quick. You know, everybody that Steve, every time I, I'm backing up a little bit, every time I auditioned for another Steve Sondheim show slash Paul Gemignani show, I'd see the same people. It was almost like it was kind of a rep company mm. because we all sang on and off the notes like Steve liked. Mm -hmm. that's just all there was to it whether you were male or female right now all this that i'm saying is my opinion but yeah. i mean it is borne out by we saw the same people over and over and over again and depending on the show you might work with those people twice like tom aldridge who i adored mm -hmm. i did into the woods and passion with it tom i i what an actor and a consummate gentleman and just Oh my God, he was just incredible. And many others, you know, so I'd see them a lot, <laughs> you know, and the, and it was it made it like a family in a weird way. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, when I did Into the Woods, and if I wasn't on, mm. 
every single night I would go down to the first leg of stage right and get as close as I could to the downstage side of the leg. And I would just like right out of the light and <laughs> I would watch Tom and Chip do mm. no more, mm. which to me is the best number in the entire piece for wow. me. Yeah, I can see it's that. It's so simple, but it is so profound. And they're both of their acting, mm. they were never the same. And yet it was so deep for them. It, I was so impressed as a young actor. I think I was 30. Then I just couldn't believe what I was witnessing. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I just, it just tears me up every time I hear it. Mm -hmm. Huge so fan. Speaking of this repertory company, so I mean, you mentioned Tom. I know that Marin Maisie had uh, yes. over and in into the woods as Rapunzel, yes. and then of course, uh, you know, her great, passion. her great splash and passion, where she was so, yes. uh, you know, irreplaceable, singular. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, and was, I covered her in passion. You know, I I was on stage as the mistress and the yeah. maid, and I covered she and um, Donna. Wow. In, as Bosca. I, I was covering them both. Wow. I had understudy rehearsals twice a week, every week. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it was fun. I uh, learned a lot on that show too. So, so tell me more about the understudies in Into the Woods. So, I mean, you essentially had that speak. I mean, that's like a mini repertory company within the repertory. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm just thinking back. I mean, geez. And I'm going to forget people. My dear friend to this day, Jeff Blumenkrantz. Yeah. Covered five roles. And I, okay, he if somebody tells him, he's gonna go. No, I didn't go on that much. But I swear to God, he he went on some, over a hundred times, something crazy, <laughs> because he covered everybody in the show yeah. practically. Mm -hmm. And jeez, uh, we had what was her last name? Cindy. Cindy. I can't remember her last name because a lot of these people I've never seen again. Mm -hmm. Myself, Jennifer Chatfield. Um, Oh my God, I can't even remember them all. I can't, but it was, there were like five or six of us. I mean, yeah. let's not forget, we're talking about 1980, what, four, five, something like that. Nine, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a long time ago. And you, so, and you were doing the full show on stage twice a week for understudy rehearsals? You mean with passion? Yes. No, and, not, sorry, and Into the Woods. No, just once, just once. Once a week. And I'd rotate, yeah, and I'd rotate. And you'd rotate in your roles. Yeah. That's right. But was there enough different covers that you could, if you played Florinda, who played Lucinda? It would be Jennifer. Jennifer. Mm -hmm. And then and if, if you played the Baker's wife, who played the stepsisters? We would have one stepsister. I mean, ah. but that's no different. That's yeah. no different with any show. I mean, even ah. in Kimberly Akimbo, when we're doing understudy rehearsal, we yeah. hardly ever have a full cast and right. the only time is when they bring in vacation covers mm -hmm. and they when they're putting them in and they'll right. do it but yeah we're bouncing all over the place and that's that's that was typical you know? sure i mean i think into the woods is just striking because uh it's such a like um vivid ensemble cast we all know 
you know, there aren't that many musicals like Into the Woods where so many of us could name all the characters and probably sing all their parts. You know? Right. And um, isn't it terrible? I can't tell you the name of all the understudies. <laughs> I'm sure you oh, know. Decades but later. I don't. Decades later. But um, yeah, decades and so, later. And then so when replacements would come into the cast, for example, when Nancy Dussault came in, since mm-hmm. she was not the witch when you started. Correct. Um, would she have those understudy rehearsals as part of her uh, sort of process to gear up toward getting on well, stage? Well, it would be called, it, well, no. What they do is they have put-ins for people, mm-hmm. you know, with the whole cast right. in lights. And Nancy is also a friend of mine, uh, uh, such a pro. Yeah. I, I thought she was hilarious as the witch. Heard you that. Know, Betsy Jocelyn, we went through Betsy as the witch oh, yeah. first for Nancy. Mm. And oh my God, who was the other one? Who Ellen was the Foley. Ellen Foley was yeah. my witch at one point. And Felicia Rashad right after Bernadette. And, yeah. And so we went through a ton of witches. Yeah. <laughs> a ton of witches. And then and, Betsy again on the road. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she was great. She yeah. was great. Very different from Bernadette, but you know, yeah. Bernadette, Bernadette. You know, there's nobody like Bernadette. Um, And um, and really, we only had, I believe I'm correct, other than Joanna Gleason. Mm -hmm. Then we went to Cynthia Sykes. And then I think Kate took over. I think Mary Gordon Murray did it for a minute in between. For for a minute because she went to the tour. Right. Right. I mean, it was a hot second. Yeah. And And then Kay. Kay really took over for it. Yeah. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen her. I'm sure she was wonderful. Yeah. She's not even in the business anymore. See, you know, sometimes great artists, great souls, <laughs> they don't want to stick around. Well, they want to get well, they want to get married and have children. I believe yeah. that's what she did. She's down south. Well, there that's great too. I'm she probably yeah. did. Um and I, I'm I'm still so fascinated by the stuff you said about the Mozart and the Tessitura. I wonder if you have other <laughs> kind of like um, musical musings about Sondheim. I would love to hear anything you've got to say. Well, I just think I just think that you know, uh, and I know this is about Into the Woods, yeah. But so many of his pieces are almost like recitative, right? Right. And a big aria. Mm-hmm. And I mean. Think of, and he always gives his leading ladies huge arias. You right. know, whether it's Mrs. Lovett making her meat pies, the introduction mm-hmm. to that, Fosca, I read. Yeah. And, and even that is, I da 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 dum, da dee da 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 dum, da dee da 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 dum. You know, all those crazy intervals yeah. that I almost kind of remember it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it has to be sung extremely accurately mm-hmm. as if you're doing recitative from an opera, in my opinion, because that's the way I learned how to be a better singer. Mm-hmm. And at my advanced age, I still sound extremely young. Mm-hmm. I, I can say that I'm yeah. playing a 16 year old now. And the reason is because of the precise nature of how you're singing. So you don't stress your your chops and oh. your your larynx and your little you know vocal folds are vibrating at what something like a thousand times a second or something crazy yeah. they get degraded 
And mm -hmm. so you want to stay within the framework of what Steve has written. And the more accurately you can sing it, whether you're a male, look at Buddy's numbers and follies. Yeah. Holy crap. You know, it's just talk. It is talking on pitch. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times Steve will put music for a character like the stepsisters way high because that's the voice he has for them. That is the character's voice he's he's decided to use for them. And so they're always up there, you know, and he has a range for each character. And you have to really honor that and really, you know, like I said, be accurate. <laughs> well, that must make it hard to find somebody that can cover multiple roles. I mean, if the stepsisters are up high and then the baker's wife is like mm -hmm. more of an alto range, right. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. um, that. Well, let me tell you the interesting thing about that, because, um, you know, every every show except Follies, because it was a Kennedy Center production originally, and they spared no expense. You'll never see another Follies like that because the Kennedy Center had like buckets of money. Yeah. Um, and that's why it was beautiful and all that. I mean, it's just physically gorgeous. And we had that monster orchestra. But every show and concert that I did, uh, no, I take that back. Paul didn't do roadshow either at the public, but mm. most of my work was with Paul Gemignani. And yeah. Paul Gemignani, when he would audition people, and I think this is one of the reasons that Steve's shows were cast so well, and they you could sing multiple areas of your voice well. And <laughs> this is a famous story, but it's absolutely true. Paul, when he would audition people, grades the singers. You're, wow. you're shaking. Oh, yeah. You'd never heard that. Oh, yeah. From A to F. <laughs> F being failed. Yeah. And and this is and I'm and I I thought it was ingenious, but it was made his auditions really scarier than hell because you would be singing what you came in with your own number and then you'd be singing stuff from the show. And then he'd say, hey, can you sing happy birthday? And I'd say, what? And then he'd look at Paul Ford or whoever, Mark Mitchell, and say, and can you put that in the key of whatever? Uh, and then he'd sing a little bit, and then he'd go, okay, take it up a fifth. Okay, now down a minor third. Now uh, can you go up a sixth? Now And all over the place, because, uh, and let me tell you something, and that's why I did not get the original Sunday. Yeah. He is looking for your weakness. Wow. Wow. But that's a very smart thing to do yes. because he was, listen, Gemignani is a brilliant musician. I adore him to this day. I still keep in touch with him. And he was extremely demanding. I mean, he either liked your sound or he didn't like your sound, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. And fortunately for me, he liked my sound and Steve liked my sound. And you can see in those original companies, there were certain actor singers, no offense to those actors, that have never, ever, and would have never done a show with Steve and Paul. Mm -hmm. Their voices just weren't something that they used. Yeah. No offense. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, if just, I'd just love to know, like, what are the Sondheim songs that you like to sing most in, in your voice? Oh, my God. <laughs> I know that. Weird question. You just made me want to know. Um, you know, I, 
I, you know, I don't even know how to answer that because my mind, I think when I think of Sondheim music, you know, I'd love to literally, I know I'm old now, but I would love to do Desiree. And I think I would be able to do Desiree. Mm. I love her music. Yeah. Um, I think when I was doing Passion, it was such a joy to sing Fosca's opening number mm. uh, because I... it's so deep. It's yeah. just so deep. And for me, the number in the bedroom, which they, they took out so much dialogue in that scene when Fosca is asking Giorgio to write the letter and you miss because they, they took it out, but the Victorians really were fascinated by death, even in Europe. And people would cut off the braids of pe dead people and save the hair and stuff. But she asked him to write the letter. And that section in there that I think part of the lyric is, a love as pure as breath, as permanent as death, implacable as stung. Yeah, a that's... love that like a knife has cut into a life I wanted left alone. There is nobody on the planet that could have ever written those lyrics. That's for sure. And it's absolutely reductive. It's the bars are perfect for the sound, for the 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 sentence that is or the phrases that he wrote and the idea that he wrote. And it's a freaking miracle. Yeah. Into the woods, I think really I just sing along. I still put on his albums all the time and just see what I feel, you know, about what I know now as I've gotten older and I listen to these lyrics and because of my life experience, what I know, what I've gathered. And I still, again, <laughs> no more. No one is alone. You know, things like that. They're just finishing the hat, you know, all of that stuff. I wish I could be George, you know. I mean, there's so many things that you would just want to play. And of course, Sally, Sally oh, and in, in follow Sally, because now you wet my appetite. I'm so, you know, I think about finishing the hat is such a hard, rangy song. Yeah. And I've heard some women sing it in a lower key, you know, so that it's more yeah. of like a kind of uh -huh. belter number. Um, like Yeah, the, no, it's not a belt I'm, number. <laughs> but I'm very curious where where you would choose to sing it. Oh, I would sing it in the original key. <laughs> Oh, and, I love you know, that. I mean, <laughs> of course I would. <laughs> Hell yeah, <God>. man. <laughs> but it would be the key to that. It has to be light, you know, and Mandy was just such a master at like just mm. on and off notes so lightly. Just yeah. ding, 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 like a little bing, 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 like a mallet, tiny yeah. little mallet on and off the note. Yeah. And I love that, you know, I, I love that accuracy when I hear singers with his songs. I don't like, uh-oh, I don't like any heavy-handed treatment by singers mm -hmm. of his material because that's not what he wrote. Yeah. Um, okay, then I cut you off because I just <laughs> had to know the answer to that. So then you were moving on to Sally and Follies. Sally, Sally's, yeah, I mean... <laughs> You, you know, she's just such a great character. I, I I would love to play her. For me, just to hear the original company and the great dead too early Dorothy Collins. Mm. 
sing, the sun comes up. Mm. I think about you. It's her phrasing. Her mm. phrasing is perfection. It's right yeah. in the pocket of what he wrote. Mm -hmm. That is so mind blowing. I, you know, and by the way, you can even see her do it on some variety show yeah. on YouTube. And I occasionally watch it and go, man, perfection. She's barely doing anything. Really? And you understand exactly where that woman is at. Mm -hmm. And that's that's her. And that's also Steve's writing. Mm -hmm. you, know? you know, it was just, wow. That's all I can say. Yeah. I've had a lot of great experiences. I Into the Woods is very dear to me because it was my first introduction to him yeah yeah you know, and and set me on a path really for the rest of my career yeah clearly you know and it's not even about my career but what i was able to learn at the seat of honestly and i say it without any ridiculous like of the seat of these greats steve yeah Jonathan Tunick, even more so than Jonathan for me was Paul Gemignani, who, yeah. who was such a voice of his pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A great partner, a great partner for actors and singers in the pit who could really save you, help you have a breath. You know, nowadays, I think, as a matter of fact, I know this is true because my musical director told me Kimberly Akimbo is the only musical on Broadway today that does not have an orchestra that's using a click track. Wow. And click tracks for me are the death of any breath in music and mm. true feeling. It's just a steady click. And you know, that for me, I I can't help it. You know, everything sounds so similar. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm of that other generation, you know, right. I mean literally i'm of another generation of yeah. musical actors and singers you know well, I, I i i i love knowing that it, there's a full circleness to it and you know in in the way you've described your experience uh and the musical uh you know uh of uh, the musical world of kimberly akimbo and certainly, you know, those artists that you're working with, I mean, I mean, you talk about doing Follies with Vicky Clark and obviously Janine Tesori, like many composers, is very much in the school of Stephen Sondheim and, you know, would be the first, I'm sure, to trace so much of her inspiration from his work. That I don't know, but I mean, I'm so lucky to work with her on this piece, which I think is just incredible work uh, by she and David Lindsay Abair. Yeah. And I'm I had worked with Janine before, and that's where I met her and Chris Fennick because I did Mother Courage with Meryl Streep at the public. Right, right, in the in the park. Delacourt, yeah, which ah. was another astonishing experience because of the cast, but also the material and who was working on this thing. Yeah. And um, it was George and Wolf. Janine, right. George Wolf and Tony yeah. Kushner was right. <laughs> He did the adaptation. I'd say, yeah. It was crazy. But Janine literally took the actors that George hired. And of course, she was in the room and she wrote the score while we were rehearsing. Wow. That yeah. was why. 
but she's very, she's like I said, she is a stickler, stickler like Steven. And really, if I could say anything to musical theater uh, singers, it would be to sing it as it's written. And that does not tie you down. That actually gives you more freedom. Swear to God. Swear to God. That that makes intuitive sense to me, but explain what, how that plays out, that it gives you well, more I think that, you know, when your focus, and this is my opinion, and it's my own training, when your focus is on yourself and how loud you're going to sing or how big your note's going to be or how long you can hold it or whatever, even if that's just in the back of your mind, it takes you away from what the composer intended. And when you really think about the job of a singer-actor, your focus is on what they wrote. You are communicating to the audience what their intentions were in their writing. And I am a big, big believer in that. Uh, Janine was talking about something very similar in our rehearsal. Um, because when you do that, mm. your work actually becomes more defined by yourself and the composer you're working in tandem with the composer whether he's dead or he's alive uh and gender it could be she or he um you're in tandem with them you are a partner with them and you are communicating what they want you to communicate and when you know that to me you're on solid ground and then you have even more time within a bar or a line mm. or a, to make the composer's point not your point it's not about you the composer's point and there's so much freedom in that about how you're going to ex express that within mm. the parameters that you've been given that's so well said that's so well said thank, oh, thank you. you i mean and i really believe that even if you're singing a very quick recitative type song yeah. then you go wow that's not that fast I got all the time in the world because I'm getting on and off the, you know, it's, it, it's even in her stuff. Hello, sister. It's me, your sister. Guess where we are. We're on safari, you know, but it's on and off really fast, but you understand exactly what you're hearing as the audience member. How do you sound so beautiful? Just throwing that away. Mid, mid <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't know. I'll tell you what. My <laughs> teacher who's long dead always said, if you can talk in the morning, you can sing. And I think she's wow. absolutely. Wow. I do. Colleen, you, you're a marvel. Thank you so much. Thank you. Me. I really, really enjoyed hearing it. And I know the listeners will too. And um, Oh, I hope so. I, I, um, hope so. I, I wish you the best with the rest of the run. If Kimberly can get to see you go on. And uh, I'm happy that we've uh, added your Into the Woods story to the uh, annals. Oh, of me too. My my first adored show of Steve's. I, I love his work so much and loved him too. We all do. We all do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. And I hope I talk to you soon. Thank you, Ben. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Look out for episode 34 with Joshua Ellis, Broadway press agent.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.